Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Jonathan McFarlane. He is Director of Strategy at Hybrid Marketing Co. We're going to talk to him about the work they're doing in cannabis, helping companies figure out how to brand, how to market. Two huge issues inside cannabis as this industry grows and expands. Branding, marketing is going to become, it's already pretty important. It's just going to become more so as we consolidate, as we figure out, you know, how all this kind of the businesses in cannabis are going to shake out. Uh, The ones who are properly branded, properly marketed, I think are going to be the ones that are going to rise to the top on this. So a huge topic. Uh, We're also going to talk a little bit about how to I like to say pivot into cannabis. So if you're an existing company, you have a product service that could relate to the cannabis market. How do you go about doing that? Uh, and it's not only a little complicated when it comes to the regulations and the rules and the legal side, but there's also the challenges of how do you really position your product in the cannabis space? And Jonathan and I are going to talk a little bit about that. They've been doing a lot of work in that, uh, helping companies get into cannabis. So a couple of really interesting topics. I'm excited for the conversation. With that, Jonathan, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. So before we kind of get into all these topics, let's get a little bit of background on you. How? Give us the professional story. Like, what were you doing before cannabis? How did cannabis come up? Give us the uh, the background. Yeah, sure. So before cannabis, I had spent uh, a really long time in the sports nutrition world, most specifically on kind of the extreme edge of it. So working on products that are really focused towards really competitive bodybuilders. Uh-huh. Lived up in Canada. And I had been doing that for a long time, lots of success there. But, uh, you know, the the energy in that uh, industry was kind of, um, I just wasn't feeling it anymore. So was looking for something else. Cannabis is also uh, obviously much more regulated, but um, there was some things that kind of went from one industry to the other there and was able to find my first position in cannabis up in Vancouver. And uh, that eventually led me down here to Denver with Hybrid Marketing Co. Excellent. And tell us a little bit about Hybrid Marketing Co. What what has been the history of that, the focus? Give us a sense of the company. Sure. So we've been around technically since about 2015, but we've really hit a, a big growth stride in the past year and a half. I think when I signed on about two years ago, I believe there was five of us. And um, now there's 16 of us. So uh, it's it speaks to our our professionalism, our creative, of course, but also just to the demand for services like like we provide in this industry. Thankfully, there's more and more a focus on brand marketing, and we're, we're happy to be doing that kind of work in an industry that really needs it. Yeah. And what have you been finding in the cannabis space? I mean, how have things changed in terms of the type of companies you've been working with, the types of strategy and work you've been doing with them? Give us a little sense of how things have evolved. Sure. Well, I, I think two to three years ago, we really had to put in a lot of work to convince businesses that they needed really good marketing and really good branding. And that, to some extent, has reversed a little bit. Now we have folks coming to us that they already know that that is going to be a huge key to their success. We don't have to convince them. Yeah. So that makes it a little bit easier for our business development. You know, We're not trying to convince them they need the type of product we sell. We're just mm-hmm. trying to convince them that we're the folks to do it right. And we definitely are seeing more businesses that have been really successful outside of the industry looking for ways to get in. And that's been a bit more recent trend for us. Yeah. yeah. And I know, I mean, I guess it gives us a sense of how you relate to some of the other companies out there doing this kind of work, right? Because I think this whole kind of branding and marketing, there's been, you know, lots of kind of developments in this space. You know, people have been, you know, using various tools and strategies, some of which are working cannabis, some don't. But in terms of how you kind of fit into the, the world of branding and marketing experts out there, Give us a sense of what your focus is. Sure. So it's a big focus. As far as I can tell, as far as we can tell, we're the largest uh, specialized cannabis agency in North America. Bigger, of course, doesn't always mean better. But in our world, that allows us to offer a range of services and a depth of experience and expertise that our competitors can't match. And so part of what we try to do is We start from a place where we take as much of that work off of our client's plate as possible. And sometimes we dial it back from there, but uh, we're really trying to be a one-stop shop for our clients. We hear lots of stories about about some of the businesses we work with before they uh, came to us. They, They have a couple of people internally, then one group doing one thing, another group doing another thing. And when you split everything up like that, sometimes there are opportunities that are missed. It's really hard to have a bunch of different stakeholders all controlling different parts of the strategy. Nobody really sees the whole thing. So we try to help people consolidate all these things, bring everything under one roof, 
Um, by doing that, generally, we're able to reduce the cost. We're able to provide better results. And uh, it's just kind of easier for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And tell us a little bit about, you know, some of the companies you've been working with, how you got them as clients. I mean, I, I'm always curious how cannabis companies or, or companies in the cannabis space are, you know, developing leads, closing deals and, and what they're closing it based on. Yeah, it's uh, it's always been kind of a wide range of tactics and conversations we have. Um, mm-hmm. Some of those are a little weird and some <laughs> of them actually come to us. But uh Generally, lately, uh, people are just dropping us emails on our website. They're giving us phone calls. That's been a more recent thing. I can tell you that up until about a year ago, our sort of outbound sales was really pretty aggressive. Cold emails, phone calls, handshakes, networking events, you know, when we could. Yep, Um, exactly. Yeah, thankfully, uh, well, in some sense, it's nice that we have the leads coming for us, but we still do a lot of outbound stuff because we really believe on trying to connect with with businesses that we can truly see a good fit rather than taking on every client that uh, comes to the door. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're working with some big brands. I think Juana was one of your early, early wins around all this. And you had a funny story around how you got that account. I've, I've always, I love hearing scrappy stories of companies figuring out how to get business yeah. and close deals. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah. So Juana, working with Juana has been really exciting. I mean, we've been working on the CBD side of their business for, I guess, about nine months now. But before well, the way that we got them, I knew that their CMO, their new CMO, Joe Hodes, he's been there for a while now. But I, you know, I kind of always follow what's happening. The big companies, the, the target accounts we're going after, who's coming, who's going. So when he got the job there, figured out what his email address was, and was able to start a conversation that way. He was asking a bit about you know what a relationship would look like, and uh, it seemed like it was going well. And all of a sudden. Radio silence, you know, mm-hmm. crickets, <laughs> crickets. Yeah. And I just, uh, I could not let that happen. I figured <laughs> we had to go big or, <laughs> or just, or we'd go out with a bang if we were going to go out. Yeah. So, so what I did was, uh, went to Walmart and bought a burner phone, cleaned everything off of it, just put our logo in the background and put one phone number in the phone, which was my phone number, but didn't even put a name there. And I sent this anonymously to his office with a note that just said, Joe, you may not be ready to talk to me, but we've run out of time. Please find a quiet place to sit and call the number on the phone. Now, that is a quote from The Matrix and my fault that I didn't, uh, I should have expected not everybody is a fan of The Matrix, but I am. So I sent that to Joe, and a few hours later, after it had arrived, I get an email from him, not super happy. Was He was questioning whether uh, he should call the police <laughs> or, or what was going to happen. And, uh, he, and he just said, you know, I'm going to decide whether I think this was creative and uh, a determined effort or that it was dangerous. I'll let you know how I feel in a couple of days. And, um, you know, I, I understood, especially uh-huh. in hindsight, why he would have been a little, little weirded out by that, but, okay. uh, really happy that he decided to, to give me a call and yeah, got your call back. <laughs> yeah, I got my call back and I guess the rest is, is history. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I applaud you for, for, uh, getting creative and yeah, I find, um, these stories are, uh, 
Well, we hear, we're, we're talking on the podcast here. So I think, you know, obviously it turned out okay and you're not in jail, but, right. <laughs> but we survivor, survivor bias on some of this stuff. Um, but yeah, I think, and it's interesting because I think, you know, a lot of what's happening in cannabis is we're kind of moving from a really kind of scrappy anything goes, or at least people are willing to try anything into a little bit more. Well, I guess I'll use the term professional, but not not in a derogatory way of just like things are getting a little bit more standardized or, or business is being conducted a little bit more like other industries. And so, absolutely, yeah, some of these things are, are a little less doable or a little less acceptable at times. And Yeah. But give us, you know, in terms of the, the work that you're doing today or what are you seeing with your clients, what are the problems they're having and how are you helping solve them? I mean, give us a sense of the kind of the work that you're doing with folks. Yeah, well, they vary from client to client, but almost universally, Businesses that come to us have questions on how to market to whatever their consumers in a compliant way. There's always questions about where can we place ads, what kind of things can we say. So that's something that we help with. You know, we we have a lot of experience. We've made a ton of mistakes, and that's part of what you pay us to do. We've we've made the mistakes so that you don't have to. It doesn't mean there's not still weird little things that pop up where an ad won't get approved or something like that. I mean, that still happens all the time, but it happens less than it used to because we've gotten good at figuring out what we can and can't do, you know, where, where something will or, or won't work. But the challenge too is that that's really different from one market to another. Yeah. So we have a, we have a client in Ohio and they're the way that we have to do things for them is very, very different than what we do for a client that's based in Denver. So, so that's always an issue. And like how so? Like what comes up? Like what ends up happening on the state-by-state world that we live in in cannabis? Well, I mean, in Ohio, for example, pretty much anything marketing or branding related needs to be approved by the – there's like a regulation board. So if you're going to design a logo, you actually have to have your logo approved by that group. And there's restrictions on what can or can't be in a logo even. So, Like what kind of – like this is like references to things or – yeah, or colors or like a like a, a cannabis leaf, for example. So we try to design, at least in this circumstance, tried to design around those restrictions, thought we had it. It did not get approved the first time around. We had to do some revisions. So, you know, that's that's what's Ohio. The, what's the underlying logic there? I mean, this is they're they're trying to protect consumers by making sure things are not, you know, confusing or something? I mean, what what's your understanding of how they've set this up and why they've set it up? I, I suppose. I, I mean, <laughs> you <have no> idea. <laughs> I, I don't really. And every state is different. It's uh, it, it's not like each, each time a state goes medically legal or recreational legal, they don't just copy yeah. another state's rules. They, they almost start from scratch. So I, I don't know why that is because, I mean, there's been some pretty good blueprints a lot of places that have been doing this for a while that you can kind of look to. But that's fine. This is just the progression of our industry. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I mean, it's it's part of what keeps us on in business. If this was really, yeah. really easy for other folks to do, then there'd be a lot more competition for uh, for agencies like ours. Yeah. Yeah. And what have you noticed about your clients or the companies you've worked with? How, how have their business evolved and changed and how have their kind of strategy and approach to marketing and branding changed along the way? Well, we do see. So right now, about half of our business is B2C and half is B2B. Okay. That wasn't the case just a few years ago. It was mostly B2C businesses that were approaching us. So, so that has changed. But in terms of what they're looking for, it used to be pure awareness just we want people to know we exist. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot of strategy in terms of who they're trying to reach. It, it was if you asked the dispensary, 
who they're trying to market to, they'll just say cannabis users. (laughs) Um, People who will buy our product. Right. And that's really changed a lot now, especially in markets that get, that are older and have become more mature. Like if you, if you talk about Colorado, for example, if that is your target demographic, you will lose because it's just not specific enough. Yeah. So, you know, you see some dispensaries that specialize in kind of more unique strains, for example, or some that uh, really push their clones. Um, mm-hmm. or some that set up programs that are targeted towards folks that are slightly older. You never, you never want to, um, you never want to keep anybody out, of course, but you do want to try to target your marketing more specifically now than you had to before. And part of that is just competition. Yeah. There's a lot more of it. People are getting better at this stuff and trying to be everything to everyone, at least on the dispensary side, which is what I was referring to there can be difficult because then you, uh, you know, sometimes you all you can attract are the bargain buyers, and there's a lack of loyalty with those kind of consumers in this in this space. Not to say that you don't have you know your your deals for those kind of people to come in. That's great, but you also have to have something beyond just that. Yeah, yeah, you've got to differentiate on something other than price. Otherwise, it's just a bloody a bloody battle at that point. Yeah, and and differentiators. I mean, there's in the the game of dispensaries. You know, there's a couple that are pretty easy that some kind of fail to identify. For example, CSR, uh, you know, corporate social responsibility, that's always a big one. Attaching your business to uh, a group that does good things is always great. It's not just not just for doing it, though. It's Pixar didn't happen, right? You, you have to be able to tell a story of why you're doing it. And for a lot of people, that's enough to bring them through your doors. If you're if you're uh, connected to an organization or a cause they believe in that, that works on me personally, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you've been doing some work with companies that are outside of cannabis, but have products or services that could work in cannabis. Um, you know, something I come across a lot, strategic coach, is I, mm-hmm. you know, I get contacted a lot for companies that are looking for strategies of getting into these markets. And I just find it fascinating because, you know, this, this industry is going so quickly. And as it matures, you know, the level of kind of product, services, technologies, solutions, you know, that we need gets more and more sophisticated. And there's stuff out there, right? The question is, can it be applied to cannabis? How does it work? What have you noticed in terms of companies that have been interested in getting involved in the cannabis space? And what have been some of the challenges and things that you've helped them with? Yeah, so we've definitely noticed more interest from those type of of businesses coming to us too. We've, we've just signed two very large clients recently that are doing exactly what you described. The challenges they often have is they just don't even know where to start. You know, it's, we talk to the, they, they might even have an internal marketing team that we communicate with. And they're just like, we don't know. We don't know anything about cannabis. We don't know who to talk to. We don't know where to go. And so I think that's been the biggest issue is that they have a product that makes sense for this industry, but they don't really know how to position it. They don't know how to talk about it. They don't know where the buyers of these types of products exist. And so we've been helping to sort of facilitate the entry into the cannabis world for these type of businesses. And so far, so good. I think the, the advantage is that their products usually, well, in the cases that we're dealing with, has existed for a long time. It's, it's a, you know, they're really good products. They've been perfected rather than kind of invented in the cannabis industry and, and kind of still going through the iterations because it's a newer industry. So, so it's nice to be able to hit the ground running with a really good product or really good set of products that's already been proven, but just really the communication and how to set this product up in the industry, really how to kind of jumpstart things is kind of the biggest thing that we're helping them with. Yeah. And, and what have been kind of the, 
kind of the big things you've had to explain to them or, or they've had to learn about getting involved in cannabis that, you know, that you may not be aware of from other industries or, you know, be totally prepared for as you get into cannabis? Yeah, well, I think for folks that have never been involved with cannabis or the industry, there is a bit of a culture shock. There is language that they're not used to. And in some, sometimes there's even people that they never thought they'd be sitting down at a table with. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of what makes it interesting and exciting. So I don't know if there's anything specific I can point to that they need to learn. It's sort of just a general sense of what this industry is all about, what the products are all about, kind of what the end users of these products look like and talk like. That persona development piece has been um, really, really important. You know, yeah. tr- try and try and define the uh, the purchasers of their products, what they look like, how they think, what's important to them, and in a lot of ways, what's important to them in the cannabis industry is very different from what their typical customers look like, just yeah. in terms of the values and the needs, and and even the level of support. With newer businesses in the cannabis space, they they need a bit more handholding to understand a new product, understand a new line of business, but that's okay. We're happy to help them do that. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking forward to more of those types of arrangements. Yeah. I'm curious, sort of from the strategy side on, on branding and marketing as, as companies pivoted into cannabis here, I mean, I know that, you know, three, four five years ago, the general kind of strategy was we're going to set up a new brand, you know, that's going to be cannabis focused. We're going to kind of separate church from state in terms of our cannabis versus non-cannabis clients. And, you know, part of it was, you know, focus and risk mitigation. Part of it was we don't want to taint our existing business or some mm-hmm. of our existing clients may not be so happy if we if right. they know we're doing work in cannabis. Is, it, is that still the case? Is that changing? I mean, what have you, I mean, the downside obviously is you lose the, the kind of halo effect of your non-cannabis business when you start getting involved in cannabis to kind of support your brand and mm-hmm. you know the products and things that you pr- provide. But, you know, obviously there's trade-offs. What have you been finding over time and where are companies now in terms of, you know, I- publicly identifying that they're, that they're working in cannabis and, you know, mixing the right. waters there? Yeah. So it's, it's still a bit of a mixed bag, but it's really been changing a lot recently. If we had had this conversation two years ago, I would have recommended to most most entries into this industry that have an existing business that they keep them separate for some of the issues that you just mentioned, risk mitigation and their sort of current clientele. But that's not usually the recommendation that we've been giving lately. Um, Just over the past six months, uh, we've seen a bit of a shift in terms of what the businesses that are in the cannabis industry are looking for. And the recommendation the last several times has come up is that they actually maintain some sort of linkage to their existing brand or existing business. So it's a it's it's important that if they have already established themselves as successful, you know, you want to be able to use that track record yeah. if you can. So a lot of the time it'll be like a we'll have a new brand that we create for them, but it'll be like by the old company or powered by the old company, that kind of linkage. Because then you may be starting from scratch in terms of awareness in the cannabis industry, but once folks find you, they can see that lineage to you know success already, even if it's not within the cannabis industry. And 
we made this recommendation really recently to a new client. And part of the basis for our recommendation was a series of questionnaires, so surveys, basically, as well as one-on-one interviews that we did with a lot of our contacts in the industry about what was most important to them and least important. And most important, or one of the most important, was just having that track record of success. And one of the least important things was that that success was already in the cannabis industry. Interesting. Yeah. That, and that seems quite different. I mean, I, I would say, you know, three, four years ago, most of my experience was, it was kind of a, you know, cannabis, people want to work with cannabis people. And if you don't kind of have cred in the cannabis space, like, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, not, not that it was frowned upon, but it didn't, it was, it was more important to kind of be a pure cannabis company. I mean, right. do you see that changing now or do you think? I really you know, do. Yeah. yeah. I do yeah. see that changing. I, I mean, I know it's, it does still exist, but I think as the industry sort of matures and becomes a bit more professional, and I don't mean that in, in any sort of negative way yeah. about where it came from, but just in terms of business sophistication, the, the things that are really important to folks at the top uh, executives in the cannabis industry have also changed. And I think there's also those roles are filled with or uh, becoming more populated with a bit of a different type of mindset. Yeah. And, and I get it. I mean, even a few years ago, the banking issue well, it's st- still a huge yeah. issue, but it's it's gradually becoming less of an issue to have that connection, especially if you're an ancillary business and you're not actually touching plant material. Maybe you're an equipment manufacturer or so on. Yeah. But I can tell you there are still issues and it's not a good fit for everybody Mobius Trimmer is a longtime client, and uh, they, they, you know, there are still sort of issues uh, around them in this space, and so it's not a one-size-fits-all uh, solution. Yeah, I get it. So when you're working with companies on branding and marketing, what are the things that you're actually doing for them? I mean, give us a sense of where where is branding strategy, marketing strategy, and cannabis. I mean, we've you know obviously the industry has evolved. You know, I think the marketing strategy you know a couple of years ago was how much THC do you have? <laughs> What's your percentage yeah. of THC? You know, but that's changing, and evolving. Like, how, what have you seen in terms of the development, sophistication of, of branding and kind of brand strategy when it comes to cannabis? Well, yeah, I mean, and that depends a lot on the business if. It's B two B or B two C. Generally, what we what we start with on the on well, I guess on both sides is some persona development. You know, who is the person that is going to ultimately want these products and why? And really, even even before you kind of get to that, defining your UVP, so your unique value proposition, <laughs> and your differentiators is so so important because it, unless you can really easily tell somebody why you're different, why you're better, you know, why somebody should buy your product or service over your competitors, kind of everything else that comes after that, all of the actual the visual pieces and the language and things like that, if you don't have that first, then you're kind of, you're kind of running blind. I mean, you, you might just you might just be making a logo because it looks really nice rather than making a logo that appeals to the people that you want to appeal to and connects to your UVP and connects to your differentiators. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I do see that there's there's a bit more uh, sophistication in, in terms of the branding strategy. You know, we're looking at how do we line this product up with the competitors and then how do we really easily get to the people that, that need to get there? I mean, it, it's a pillar approach that we typically take, but it's, it's got to be so much more than just, ah, let's just, we'll just sell cannabis to people that want cannabis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
and on the marketing side, where where are we? Because I know that there's you know marketing cannabis products have been challenging in general. So obviously, certain states have certain regulations. You know, sometimes some people can do outdoor advertising, some people can't. Some people, obviously, all the the ad networks have kind of mm-hmm. gone back and forth, or at least been problematic. And you know, I, I don't know if anything has stabilized and if it's opening up. But like, where you know, give give us a sense of how cannabis is kind of different than other industries when it comes to marketing strategy and the and the tools and kind of technologies that you can use. Yeah, well, I mean, the platform restrictions are are really obviously a pain. Uh, some of the things that people are used to in the marketing world, just Google ads or Facebook <laughs> ads, you know, that those are just, those are normally really, can be really powerful channels. And that's just not an option for most people in the cannabis world. But you find other places you can you can work. So we, we use programmatic advertising a lot and we can you know, successfully put display ads or native ads in many, many very well-known websites that uh, that you would have, you know, that many listeners would be visiting on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still restrictions. You know, you, you can't you're not going to be showing somebody actually consuming a product, <laughs> um, but uh, but that's OK. You can still get the message across and you kind of just find a way to work with them. And, and to, your, to your question, where are we at and where are we going? I mean, it does seem like the inventory, just as a barometer, the inventory of ad space that's available for cannabis ad is growing. So uh, more and more um, owners of that inventory or ad inventory in general are starting to relax and be like, no, we can, this is, we can put these ads here and it's not going to cause a problem. And they're, uh, they're willing to say yes to that revenue. But yeah, you're right about outdoor ads and one, you know, being legal one place, not another. I mean, we even see some places where a billboard would be allowed on one side of the street and not allowed on the other. Yeah, and, yeah just because county county municipality yeah. rules that can yeah. start kicking in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so it's a patchwork for sure. But uh, you know that that forces us to be creative. I mean, mm-hmm. that forces us to think outside the box and um, just come up, come up with unique ways of getting our clients message across. I mean, I, I personally, I love it. I think it's more fun with the restrictions to be honest. Yeah. Well, there's, there is something, uh, you know, creative folks love uh, constraints. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, true. Oh, I, I can only, I can't use this color. Or I can only use my left hand. Or like, okay, great. Let me see what I can do. That's right. Uh, like give, give us a challenge. We'll yeah. take it on. Yeah. Cool. And, mm-hmm. and where do you see your business going over the next couple of years? I mean, what's the, you know, can anticipated growth? What kind of companies do you think you'd be looking, working for, you know, geographic footprint? How does that play out? Yeah, well, we are seeing now many more inquiries about what we do coming from outside of the U.S. Uh-huh. Uh, so we've, we've got a, a great new client in Israel. We have conversations with a couple, couple businesses in Colombia. So we are seeing that international focus to our business starting to grow. And I, I, I like that. I think it's it makes things more interesting when we can break into new markets that really need our help, that that really are looking to the U.S. and Canada as an, a point of inspiration. Sure. So so that's exciting for us. We really do want to continue our growth trajectory. I mean, we've been hyperdrive, I guess, for the past six or seven months, and uh, thankfully we don't see that slowing down. But if I was to look ahead let's say three to five years, I'm very confident that federal legalization will will have happened within three to five years. And we really want to make sure that we set our business up for that moment because 
I believe as soon as that happens, a lot of the other legacy, very large holding company agencies will finally get in the game. And we want to make sure we're in a good position to uh, navigate that. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we can do a follow-up episode in, in a while and see how your, how your predictions yeah. are going to come yeah. true. Yeah. I, I'd love that. Yeah. Jonathan, this is my pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, what's the best place to get that information? Yeah, sure. So hybridmarketingco.com is the website and you can email me at that uh, that domain it's jonathan at hybridmarketingco.com and i do have to note bruce my parents cursed me with an h in my name which means <laughs> i miss about 50 percent of the emails coming my way so my first name is spelled j-o-h-n-a-t-h-a-n Great. I would get all the URLs the other way as well. Yeah, I really should. I know. I should. <laughs> I get it. I'll make sure that all the links and everything are on the show notes so people can yeah, get a hold of you. Yeah, sounds great. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time today, Jonathan. I really appreciate it. Have a good one, Bruce. Take care. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.